0: Hello, welcome. You're listening to Feed Play Love, a bite-sized parenting podcast, a place you can find advice, understanding and support as you care for your small humans. I'm Siobhan Hunt. Conversations with children can be hilarious, insightful and sometimes downright weird. My next guest says developing good conversation habits with your kids is one of the best things you can do with them. Dr. Amy Alomar is a co-author of The Parenting Project, Building Extraordinary Relationships with Your Kids Through Daily Conversation. Hi, Amy. How are you?
1: I'm great. Thanks for having me.
0: Why are conversations so important to growing children?
1: Well, really, you are your child's first intimate relationship and so it's important that you model what it is to be in a relationship and that you teach them trust and understanding in others and so you are helping them to develop their interpersonal skills and you're also helping them to learn how to simply relate and that's why it's so important we often see kids are not conversing in the way they used to there's all different ways of doing it now with the introduction of technology So it's even more important now than ever to focus on it.
0: We're often told to speak to our babies even when they can't speak back. Do you agree with this philosophy?
1: Yeah, well, you're modeling for them what conversation is, and you're also kind of teaching them all sorts of the language, the vocabulary, sentence structure. So it is important to talk to your kids even when they're very young, even when they're pre-language, because they're still listening to you and they're still making sense of it. Um, they're also learning cues from you. And so a really nice way to talk with your kids is is reading to them.
0: I mean, what, when we talk about talking with kids, so reading is a very simple thing, um, I think anyway, and it's, often parents really enjoy doing it because, you know, you're reading the book to your kids, you're interacting with them. What I have found challenging when my children were very small is that, when we talk, sometimes at certain ages, they actually can talk before they're making sense. So they're not quite, they don't quite have sentence structure down. You don't really know what they're trying to say, but you know, they're trying to say something. What's the best way to respond, even though you've got no idea what they're saying?
1: Yes sometimes a laugh, right? (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, it can be so frustrating for parent and child in those situations. And what your job is, is to teach them what is it they're trying to express. So you have to be patient, as patient as you can, right? And you're pointing to things and you're asking questions. And that's how they learn. You You know, when people say, use your words, right? Or, you know, name that emotion. It's really important that you label things for them. Again, you're teaching them that vocabulary. So if they're frustrated and they're trying to express something and they literally don't have the words for it, it's your job to say, you seem frustrated or you seem excited. What's so exciting? And trying to translate for them in a way to give them the words eventually to use themselves. You can also use you know, pictures if they're really struggling to kind of point to how they're feeling or what they want. Um, They can use sign. There's a lot of research behind, you know, babies and young children using sign language. So there are alternative ways to communicate, but really just offering them a language to use is most important. And even when it's frustrating, um, actually probably most important when it's frustrating is to use those words.
0: And when they develop their conversation skills a bit better, and you do understand it, they can have, they can talk about things that are... From the completely frivolous, you know, a chat about what is the best race car to quite deep and uncomfortable topics like death. If we could start with the simple, is it important to have a conversation about cars? You know, if your kid comes up and they're like, blah, 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 this car is great and it can do this and it can do that. And you're thinking, I I can't engage on this. It's not quite my level. Why is it important to still try?
1: And I remember the conversations with my own young kids about the trains. It was always the trains and the bus and the boat, (laughs) you know, talking about. And and it does get boring and it gets repetitive. Um, And so, you know, give yourself some, you know, be be kind to yourself. And if you need a break, take a break. But it is important to engage in those conversations because what you're signaling to your child is, I am showing an interest in what you are interested about, and I am offering to find out information with you. And so you're giving them that sort of opportunity to explore the world when you do that. And so, yes, as patient as you can be, engage in those simplified conversations so that you know, you express that because think about how rude it would be, you know, if your spouse or partner or good friend wanted to talk about something and you said, well, that bores me, I'm not going to talk about it. (laughs) You know, I mean, that's essentially what you're doing. You're shutting it down. And so you want to make sure that you honor that.
0: Now, if we can move on to the ones that are a bit harder to deal with, like sex, death, religion, these are all topics that have come up. And my son is, he's not even five yet. My daughter's almost seven We've definitely had these topics come up before. What's the best way to handle those questions when they're lobbed at you out of nowhere? I mean, I remember having a disastrous conversation about God on the way to drop off in the car um, where I just was reaching for the best description I could and all I could find in my brain was the big friendly giant. So. (laughs) I was trying to answer some profound questions without being very well prepared. Um, how Do we need to answer them on the spot and, and answer their queries right then and there? Or can we have some time to work out how we want to respond?
1: And, and the answer is yes to both. So, you know, Always sort of validating the fact that they have the question or that they want to have the conversation, right? Like, oh, that's really interesting or that's something I've thought a lot about or something I haven't thought a lot about, you know, kind of buying yourself time, but really validating that it's there. Um, if it feels, um, inappropriate, you know, if it's, if it's a conversation about sex and you're out in public around other young children and you don't want to have the conversation, a good response would be something like, well, you know, this is a great question and I definitely want to talk about it. This is not the appropriate place. You don't say it's bad or naughty. You just say, this is not the appropriate place. So I'm going to talk to you about this. And if they kind of push you, you just say, I've made it clear. We are going to talk about this and you make sure you come back to the conversation when you feel more comfortable. That gives you a little time to think about what you want to say. It shows them that you haven't forgotten and that you will do it, but that, you know, it also teaches them boundaries. Now, I also had a question about God in the car once, so I'm kind of giggling <laughs> along with you because it, it does it kind of like, wow, I wasn't ready for that. And sometimes that's an okay answer. Oh, that's big. Um I'm not quite sure how to answer you on that, but let me think about it. And, you know, you can kind of talk through your thought process or you can wait. And that teaches your child that it's okay not to impulsively speak out and that you can think before you speak and that you also can process your thoughts with other people. So any of those answers is right, and it's really your comfort level um, and the situation.
0: When it comes to those topics and... I would say I'd always want to address them. I'd always want to answer their questions to the best of my ability. But what do you, how do you work out what is age appropriate? You know, do you, you might have the idea that you could possibly tell them more than they can handle because they're still small. You want to protect them. Um, but then you also don't want to leave them wondering and, and trying to find out the answers themselves. So how do you negotiate how much to tell them?
1: Exactly. That's a great point. When the kids ask questions, they're ready for some answers, right? And so then you start. And as you start, they'll signal to you how ready they are and for how much, right? So you start talking and you may say, Well, you know, when you're talking about sex, it's really when a a man loves a woman or a woman loves a woman, you know, and you start in the conversation and then they're done. They're like, okay, (laughs) (laughs) and they're off and running. And so then you say, okay, that was enough for them. Um, And the next time you go a little bit deeper and you talk a little bit more. And so you kind of take their lead, right? You follow their lead. And if they're still listening and if they're still interested, you go further. Um, Really, what's more important than what's appropriate and what's age appropriate is you know, how interested are they? And they're going to be exposed to this information at some point in their lives. And so better they're exposed to it with you and sort of through your values and your filters so that you can kind of help them again with that decision-making and that thought process. Um, So it's, it's really not so criminal to expose them to more than you are ready to expose them to. And they'll usually stop you before you get too far if if it is inappropriate. Um, All that said, you know, if you want to shelter your child, there's nothing wrong with sheltering them, just understanding that at some point they're going to see and hear things, and you've got to be prepared for those conversations. So if you choose to shelter them from something in the immediate, do be prepared to come out and talk about it at some point.
0: When it comes to those topics, I think the thing that I find most challenging is I don't know how to explain it to my kids because I've never had to explain it to myself before. So if we talk about religion, for example, my family doesn't have a faith. um, We've never had conversations about religion in my birth family. And then my child asked me about religion. And all of a sudden I'm like, how do I tell you what religion is when I don't know what it is?
1: That response is so authentically right, you know i don 't know how to talk about this with you let 's explore it together. Um, religion is tricky, right, because everybody has such strong beliefs or no beliefs right and so it 's such a it 's just littered with all different kinds of ways of living and being, and so explaining that and saying you know there are people who believe very strongly in this, and some very smart and respectable people have very different views from each other and kind of giving them models. Um, Maybe buying a children's Bible or some literature, you know, to kind of talk to them at at like a a level they can understand it. Um, You know, oftentimes visiting in a religious ceremony for maybe a special celebration for another person, a friend or family is a good way to introduce religion. But if you're kid comes to you with a lot of questions about it, the best thing to do is be open and direct with them. Just like you said, you know, this is not something I've given a lot of thought to, or this is not something that I was brought up with and I've thought about it in this way. Um, And maybe make it, you know, if you're comfortable, make it an exploration together. And if you're not, say, this isn't something I'm really comfortable with, but let me, you know, let's talk to other people who are.
0: I think one of the joys of parenting is actually sitting down and having conversations with your children. For me, when they're very young, I'm always delighted by what they come up with and and how I get to know them that way. But I do understand that I have a period of grace where they think I am the best thing since sliced bread, and at some point that is going to change and they are going to um, perhaps look to others for their advice and guidance through life, or they might not think I know everything like they do now. Um, Is there a way of using these conversations now to set you up for the future? Or is it kind of inevitable that as they approach their tween and teen years, they're going to shut down and not speak to me as much?
1: And and that's really the premise of the book is how do you maintain influence when you can't be the main influence anymore? And you have to understand that what you're doing, your goal, right, is to raise an independent, you know, adult who can really make decisions on their own and will do good things in the world. And so if that's your end result, you have to release some of that control and some of that influence, but you want to do it in a way that, you know, you've left a lasting impression where you have an impression on the filter that they will carry with them in their mind throughout. And so conversation is the number one way to have that long-lasting impact on them. So when you have these conversations with very young children and you take the time and you are patient and you're showing interest in what they're interested in, like the race car, right, and you're honest and you're open with them about the tougher questions, and you know, then they start to understand who you are as a person, and they learn trust from you. And so as they get older, and yes, their peers will have much more influence and and the outside world will have more influence on them, but they'll still look to you and they'll still hear you in their mind and sometimes in their ears. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And they still do respect you. It's just, it looks a little bit different. And so this is the way that you have a relationship with them. Um, And so it's so crucial that you start it as young as you can. Now, for parents of slightly older kids, you know, I wouldn't want them to be afraid it's too late because actually it isn't and you can develop relationships and it'll just look a little bit different from when they're very young.
0: And I should mention that in your book, you've divided them, the conversation starters into sections. Um, you've got heart opening heart-based conversations, navigating uncomfortable conversations, braving dangerous conversations, Nurturing character conversations and fostering brave conversations. So it feels like you've got lots of tips for people there and how they can sort of start that happening with their teen or tween.
1: Yeah, so if you've got, you know, the kid that just talked to you nonstop and then all of a sudden they do sort of pull away, what are some prompts that, you know, we can use together to start a conversation? There's a fun interview in there where you can interview your child and they can interview you back. And very young children love this kind of conversation because they like to learn You know, kids of all ages really like to hear about your stories and where you came from, and they love to hear about when you made mistakes. And so use those (laughs) as learning opportunities because, you know, we aren't perfect. And like you said, they think you're all that, right? But really, we, we are imperfect beings, and they need to see that so that they can understand what it is to live and be wonderful in the world having made mistakes.
0: What a great place to end. Amy, thank you so much for speaking with us today. Thank you
1: for having me. It's a
0: pleasure. That's Dr. Amy Alomar. She's a co-author of The Parenting Project, Build Extraordinary Relationships with Your Kids Through Daily Conversation. We'll put links up to where you can find a copy for yourself. Just head to babyology.com.au forward slash love.